Hello again for our weekly video game chat. I've got some writers from the website and a video game to talk about. Come and join the gang of reviewing artisans. See it from every angle. This week we're talking about Uncharted 1 and 2 on PlayStation, and I've got with me Alex Beach and Chris Jarvis. Hi, I'm Alex Beach, I'm the Scared Gamer, and I write about games that scare me. Hi, I'm Chris Jarvis, uh, I'm the Novel Gamer, uh, and I write uh, short stories which are reviews of games. And I'm Andy Robertson, I look after game people and write about games from a family perspective. Cool, so Uncharted, where do you want to start talking about this? There's so much to dig into, but Chris, what was it about this game? Um, I think it's just there's, there's so much on offer. I mean, the, the core experience of the game is very much a sort of, you know, it's the big budget sort of action blockbuster movie style of game. It's very much a, a sort of Indiana Jones style adventure running through different locations, fighting enemies and looking for treasure. But I think what keeps you coming back is that the core gameplay is so well-tuned and so just fun to play. It's like a, like a shoot-em-up in the sense, you know, in, in the way that you feel you can just sort of dip into it, pick out a level and just kind of play through it and almost have as much fun with the set pieces time and time again as you did the first time. There's an awful lot that they've actually given to you in this game. You know, I know I've talked to people in the past about whether games are worth the cover price, if you like. Uh, I mean, I played Uncharted 2 for a, for a good six months, uh, and even after that six months, I still dip back into it now and again. Reminds me of Lara Croft, obviously, Tomb Raider, but the gunplay in Uncharted was fun, whereas when in Tomb Raider when I encountered an enemy I was just keen to get on with them to get back to the puzzling and the exploration but it seemed like Uncharted have, had both of those things on its side I think the second one did but I mean it was an almost a well it was an inaudible kind of gasp from me with that explanation by Chris actually because I can't imagine taking anything out of context with Uncharted I mean although all the gameplay elements are very solid for me it's very much the kind of the story of it I mean it feels like watching Indiana Jones from end to end because you've got this kind of the action, the exploration, and then the gunplay all together. And I think taking one part out of that narrative as a whole, especially with two, doesn't work for me. The first one, I think, didn't hold together so well in that respect. But although I enjoy all the disparate elements, I think if, if it isn't all held together by what the story's trying to tell you, it, it just loses the appeal. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. So what was it about the first one that you, th you felt was weaker? Primarily for me, I think it felt like the combat was longer. And I'm not even, I mean, it's been three years since I played it, but it felt like a real drag getting through those sections where you weren't leaping around the environment. And they, it just felt like they lasted longer as well. So you're in this situation where you're just plugging your way through lots of enemies and there didn't seem to be the payoff that two offered. Yeah, and I think in two, you still have those sections where suddenly you go into this big space and you realise, oh, that game's going to really throw a whole load of enemies at me. I'm going to be here for quite a while. Um, but I think I agree that in, in two, you're quite happy to do that because the shooting seems more enjoyable. And in fact, in one, I could never really make sure I was going to get a headshot. Like sometimes I'd feel like I was on target and it would trigger. And other times I'd be like, that was exactly on his head. It didn't kill him. <laughs> He's still standing. Whereas in two, it felt like it was a, in terms of accuracy and reliability in the, the shooting mechanics, um, which meant it was more fun for me at least. Well, I think the other part is that the two has like vertical combat, I think. 
that is a lot more climbing mm -hmm. around and shooting from that whereas one was a lot more just kind of gears yeah. of war duck and cover yeah. running around and then when he fired it from the cover it was well like you say less accurate and deliberately so but in a way that wasn't satisfying yeah and there's that moment in two part of the um, way you interact with the enemies in two is that you can pull them off ledges and you can creep up from below them can't you and yank them over into into oblivion and there's that moment isn't there where the, your partner who is it um is saying guy above you guy above you and then you pull him and he falls off and he's like guy below you guy below you <laughs> <laughs> which made me really laugh that's great yeah see the right and the writing in it is so good i mean that's the thing I've said before that there's very few games that kind of when I'm playing them, they're actually making me kind of properly laugh yeah. at what's going on. And I just, you know, it's so well written. The dialogue is excellent. It's well worth, you know, when you finish the game, hanging around for the kind of the final scene because it's just so well written and, and a very funny kind of what we used to call the old Thundercat schnarf ending where someone says something and everyone falls about laughing. And it is kind of like <laughs> that ending and it is a real proper wrapping up that some games, you know, don't manage to do as well. And I'm glad they did that because you felt like with the weight of the story and the characters as you're travelling with them, it's hard to imagine how they were going to end it, but it comes together really well. And that I like that sort of um, like sort of afterthought almost, where it doesn't just end abruptly, but you get to see how the characters um, sort of play out um, and you get a nice little bit of dialogue between Drake and the other people. Yes, I enjoyed that as well. And I think that's the biggest difference between Uncharted 1 and Uncharted 2. We were saying about it not quite tying together as coherently in, in Uncharted 1. And I think actually, if you, if you look at Uncharted 1, and I'm kind of second-guessing them, I think they were hung up on trying to put in a number of kind of game elements. There's lots of bits in Uncharted 1 that didn't make it into 2, like this business of balancing on walking across ropes mm. uh, and some of the environmental stuff, which I think was, was taken from the kind of Tomb Raider inspiration. But actually with the second game, I think they had much more confidence that just a really good story and some really entertaining action set pieces would carry the game. There's a sort of mastery that comes with the second game that's very apparent with Uncharted 2. Yeah, and I think it's true that Naughty Dog were under some considerable pressure with the first one, both to get it out under quite a strict timeline because it needed to be pretty much a PlayStation 3 launch title. But then also I can imagine there was a pressure to use the new PlayStation 3 controller features like the six-axis balancing like you mentioned. I agree that as it came to two, it felt like they could actually breathe and give the game the time it needed, which is actually why I'm quite excited about um, Uncharted 3 to see that now they've had that sort of first proper run out with the second one in the series to see how they really sort of finesse the experience. Um, so I'm looking forward to some of the more sort of brawling fighting combat. And in two, that's, the gunplay was good in two. I felt like the actual the punching and hitting and pulling or whatever, I was just pretty much mashing buttons. Maybe that's just <laughs> my inaccuracies of playing, but um, something they've talked about in Uncharted 3 is improving that brawling mechanic. Sometimes it's very satisfying and other times it's, you know, it feels a little bit like an accident. Certainly once there's a, there's a particular ability in the game, I think called something like Steel Fist, which is where you, I think the description is, you know, soften up an enemy before taking them out with melee. And essentially the way it works is you run towards them and as long as you get off a couple of shots when you punch them, they'll go down. And it's actually, if you can kind of get into doing that, particularly hmm. in multiplayer, it's enormously satisfying because you yeah, get... Yeah, it does sound good. 
Yeah, you get this great sort of uh, almost like a set piece where you run towards them firing your gun and then you kind of slide between their legs and punch them as you go through their legs. And, they just, <laughs> nice. and it's, it's, it's a great moment. And then, like I say, in multiplayer, it's enormously satisfying. Alex, let me bring you back into this. You've mentioned about some of the supernatural elements you found to be sort of pulling against some of the story that you've talked about. Um, do you think that was a mistake for them to include those? Yes, I do. I mean, it's it's not so much that it was a mistake for them to include them. It just feels that there's no hinting towards it before it's introduced. And I mean, I already used the Indiana Jones analogy. Hmm. And in that, there's always this kind of, they're looking for something magical and there is a mythos behind it that nobody believes, but then it turns out to be true. In Uncharted, what you're looking at is this game that it feels very real and the the characters feel very believable and the situations are granted a bit strange but they're all grounded in reality until suddenly you round this corner halfway through and you don't see it coming and there's the yetis are there yeah and and it's just this kind of bizarre where did that even come from i don't know quite there was no hint anybody ever believed this was true yeah (laughs) it's almost like it was part of the original plan but you get that jarring because they did such a good job of making it real and believable in terms of the characters but when you come to the unusual supernatural stuff it sort of sticks out but um, actually, I think I've warmed to it. So in some ways, if there was no supernatural side to Uncharted 3, I think I would feel slightly shortchanged. Oh, no, I agree. It's just that, that they do such a good job. Crea- and I mean, it's it's testament to how well they've realised the characters and the, sto- the rest of the story. Or indeed, that part as well, independently. It is jarring because it's just so out of place, comparatively. I think if they lent more mythos to it, and I, especially in the first one, the second one does hint at it more. Mm-hmm. with the kind of it being we're after something magical in the second one which i think might be another reason it works a little better but in the first one it's more it feels more like an accident and unexpected yeah. and I, th- I think the second one does foreshadow it better in the sense that those yeti things that attack you attack you from quite an early level in the game and there's almost this feeling of what the hell was that and then you d- it doesn't get revealed what that enemy is until much later it is a bit of a surprise in uncharted one and i think if we talk about Indiana Jones for a moment, if you look at the way the Indiana Jones movies work, that's exactly the same way. It's a very, arguably, a kind of gritty historical movie about the Second World War or, or, or any of these events going on. And then suddenly you get to the denouement of the film and there's this, there's this supernatural twist to the end. Now, in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, it didn't work and it was appalling. The ending for that was, you know, was I think genuinely very bad. But actually, if you look at what Raiders of the Lost Ark does, it's exactly the same. You don't get that supernatural revelation until the very last couple of scenes. I wonder if with, with something interactive like Uncharted, if part of the problem is the gunplay where you're shooting against enemies that are shooting at you works very well and feels like a kind of modern shooter but actually when you introduce these sort of supernatural enemies they sort of attack you with a very overpowered melee and you're trying to respond with very high-powered shooting and not very high-powered melee and I wonder actually if it's partly the imbalance that the supernatural enemies bring into the combat that actually makes it feel more disjointed. Mm. Which could be a reason for them wanting to beef up the combat in Uncharted 3, um, so that where they've got those uh, more heavy-hitting enemies coming in, you've actually maybe got a, a wider array of attacks to, um, to combat them with. Well, it, it actually kind of brings up one of the problems of the shooting mechanic, which is the enemies in every case seem to be almost invulnerable to bullets. I mean, punching them is a... F- when it, at least when you're combating regular enemies, is actually far more effective, which seems to make 
very little sense, as my understanding of human biology goes. But w- when you come up against like, weird undead things in the first game, suddenly they're running straight at you rather than using the tactics that the humans are using. Mm. So you have to take them out before they get to you because they're so overpowered if they do reach you. They require so many bullets that it becomes a real struggle and not that fun. I mean, if it was a case of, as you could say in real life, one shot would stop them coming, it would be a lot more satisfying, that the, the combat of the zombies at least. I'm not sure about the human. Nathan Drake, who's the star of Uncharted, is this kind of wise-cracking rogue who's also a mass murderer. <laughs> which is kind of a bit, yeah, makes his character a little strange to settle down with. Yeah, he's slightly ambivalent. Like, is he? He's sort of good in a rakish kind of way, <laughs> but gets away with literally gets away with murder, um, which I guess is sort of well, like a James Bond type. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. He shot first. <laughs> he is definitely more Han Solo than Indiana Jones. Yes, and I think that's but with the minigun. That, that's to his, to his benefit, I think, as well. It's almost like that, though. I think the first Uncharted had that element of, of stumbling across... Uh, is it Nathan Fillion, Fillion who voices... No, Nate, oh. I was going to no, mix it up. No, 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 but you see, this is, this is the contention because there's a lot of talk about an Uncharted movie and I think a lot of the fans are kind of saying that the character of Drake looks and sounds like Nathan Fillion from... Nolan North. Firefly. Oh, OK, sorry. It's Nolan North that does the voices. Yeah, yeah. Um, who does the voices for pretty much everything, I think. Yeah, including Paul too. Yeah, so if there is a movie, who who should voice it? The, the guy who looks like him, or the guy that does his voice? <laughs> yeah, I, I bet remember, it would be Nathan Fillion. This. Well, it's interesting that you're taking a game which is relatively like a niche pursuit and sort of bringing it out into sort of the broader culture. Do you think if somebody sat down with Uncharted and it was one of the first games they played, they'd be able to cope with it? Oh, you mean technically as opposed to enjoying the well, story? Technically, but also is, would there be enough other reasons for them to keep playing? I think two especially... I mean, like we, I was say, we were saying before that two has these hooks of a story that really drive you through, that really tie the whole narrative together. And I think that in that respect, two could be a very appealing game. And this is always a kind of prerequisite on this to somebody who's comfortable with a controller in their hands. But, mm, but I mean, maybe would Uncharted be a good game to, be, to become acclimatised to a controller? I think Uncharted 2 would, because the mm. opening levels of Uncharted 2 are very cleverly designed around gradually introducing the elements that make up, make up a shooter. So the, the first level, this kind of, uh, this mid-drama opening where he's hanging from the, from the crash train, purely introduces basic movement controls and climbing, and then when you sort of go into into the sort of flashback if you like which is the telling of the story you've you've then got this this raid on the pri- on the prison uh, on the museum mm. and uh you know you you're gradually introduced to shooting from behind cover in an environment where the enemies aren't really shooting back because that's quite clever because if the enemies spot you rather than getting into a firefight it's just game over and you have to start again so it forces you to learn that kind of very careful aiming and shooting from cover. Um, so I think Uncharted 2, I think if you want to teach somebody the mechanics of how you play a shooter, Uncharted 2 is, is amazing. 
Mm. And I think there's quite a strong case there because obviously alongside that slow unfolding of the mechanic, you've got this, what is essentially a very filmic experience of each cutscene, which comes from the fact that rather than creating the visual and then trying to get some voice actors to match it or vice versa, it is actually shot like a movie. And some of the extras that you get in the games will actually show you them shooting it and they've actually created sets and they're capturing sound and movement at the same time, which seems like that's a lot of work. But when you see the final result, I think it's really worth it. Definitely, and, and and I can't, you know, sort of stress how much better the writing is in Uncharted 2 than than almost any other drama-based game that I've played. Uh, and I think, you know, looking at it from a sort of, sort of tangent issue, if you look at the writing of the two female characters in Uncharted 2, you quite often in games only get sort of one type of female character that ever appears in game narratives. And I think what's quite interesting in Uncharted 2 is that you have two very different female characters, all in this kind of love triangle with the, with the main character. Now, I'm not saying they're fully rounded individuals. The characters are all still ciphers in the way that most modern drama, the characters mm. are ciphers. But the fact that you've got two very different but still quite believable female characters is I think a, a strength of the writing and, and a sign of kind of a maturity in the, the way game stories are told. And there's a confidence about that as well. I like the way these two female um, leads meet the, the woman from the first game meets this, this one from the second game. And it's like, oh, who are you? And it's like, oh, hi, I'm, I'm last year's model. <laughs> and there's like a, a sort of a wink to how these games normally just move on from, from sort of female protagonist to female protagonist <laughs> quite lightly. And it was like the James Bond thing, like each, each Bond, you have a different um, Bond girl. But then it goes on to unfold slightly differently. And I like the sort of the swagger and the confidence um, in terms of the story there i think i think that brought something different to the table even than you'd see in a film so i really appreciated that yeah and there's lots of debates i mean if you go on to uh some of the online games forums you know there's lots of sort of uh, fans discussing you know which which is more your taste Clark <laughs> or elena and it's a real kind of dividing thing you know it's the sort of between the the girl next door and the kind of uh, the slightly more dangerous femme fatale yeah so it's i think it does sound like uncharted is a series which um is, would sort of stand in good stead even if you haven't played an awful lot of games, which makes it quite an important game. So I'm quite almost nervous about what's coming up in Uncharted 3. Um, what, what are you guys hoping for? You just kind of scared me, actually, by <laughs> saying it, it's, a, it's a series that's a good place for people to start with because there's a trend, shall we say, of games becoming more, I think the politically correct word is accept, uh, accessible. I think a fantastic trend when handled correctly, like in Uncharted 2, but when you start doing that, there is always a possibility you're going to take a misstep at some point and make it a little bit too, again, I'm going to use this word, accessible, to the point that it just might stop being a challenging yeah, becomes, game. Enjoyably game challenging. It becomes defined by sort of lowest common denominator, yeah. rather than actually saying, this is a, having a narrow audience, this is the people who will love it and really going for them. You sort of have this idea of family gaming has to be one game for all people, rather than saying, well, let's pick somebody in the family and target this game. And I think Uncharted has done well because it's known its audience. So I hope, let's hope that Uncharted 3 continues that. I, I feel like Naughty Dog you know, know what they're doing there, so I've got hopes that that, that shouldn't be too bad. But, um, Beyond that, all I really really what is another fantastic narrative i mean in the same vein as the last couple i mean it certainly has felt that kind of adventure with the exploration and perhaps even 
better balancing and yeah i think for me in terms of the narrative i'd quite like them to really conclude it to put a definite full stop at the end of the game um, (laughs) rather than want to be one of these series that sort of keeps ticking over after you turn the engine off it just keeps on coming crystal skull later on (laughs) i mean (laughs) yeah exactly it's like no you know he's dead or something (laughs) so but anyway that's maybe a bit harsh (laughs) (laughs) it didn't work they've killed lara at least once yeah and uh they'll just reboot the franchise yeah Yeah, 10 years time they'll be like here's uncharted it's back and fresh (laughs) how about you chris what are you hoping for in uncharted 3 i think i'm i'm hoping more for for what was my what's turned out to be my favorite element of uncharted Mm -hmm. 2 which is the co-op multiplayer um, I really love any kind of cooperative uh, play, and an Uncharted 2 features some excellent modes for for two players. There's sort of three co-op missions, if you like. Uh, there's a sort of wave survival mode. I think what I'd really like from Uncharted 3, if they can achieve it, is for the entire story to be playable as a co-op experience mm-hmm. without detracting from from the great storytelling. And I don't know how that would be achieved. Certainly in Uncharted 2, the seamlessness of the storytelling in co-op um, wasn't as good as the as it was in, in single player. I think if anybody can crack it, I think they can. And I'd love to see just much more co-op because it's, it's, it's such fun to do uh, as, a, as, a, as a team or as a, as a duo. You sort of struck on something there for me is that they would have that co-op, but it would be a split screen on one single system which I know is a big ask in terms of, um, you know, sort of graphical fidelity and everything. But I think that's a, a feature that's often overlooked. And for me, it sort of makes a game night and day. If I can sit on a sofa next to family member whoever playing a game like that, I'm much more likely to do it. I just don't have the breadth of friends with PlayStations and time and organisation to actually organise meeting up for a proper online co-op. I just always feel like I miss out when it's that case because I don't have, well, I don't really have a family member who's going to sit with me and play it either. So it's always a hassle to get through co-op. And I, yeah. I hate, and it sounds, it's very self-centered. I hate it when that's there because I feel like I'm missing out. But you can always play co-op online, can't you? I think what the trend seems to be is you have an online co-op. And they used to then say, and also you could play this locally. I think Halo is still quite good at supporting that. I think you could do two players locally. But to match the local with online, I think that's really what I'm looking for, to sort of bring that back to parity. There seems to be this assumption that people don't want to play in the same place. But there is almost added fun when you kind of play co-op with someone locally that's maybe not as skilled a gamer. I mean, you know, I play games with my other half and mm-hmm. there is a you know tendency sometimes to hand them a reasonably low-powered weapon and say, you know, go over there and try not to blow yourself up. <laughs> I've kind of, I've got this covered. But, um, but it's, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun. And I yeah. think because it is so accessible, you can kind of, it's a nice balance. We're obviously all looking forward to the third iteration. Yeah, it's something that Sony has name-checked as part of their PSP2 or NGP, whatever they're going to call it. I think it shows the importance of Uncharted as a franchise now, that when they launch new hardware, um, it's something they want to say, oh yes, and of course you're going to get a new Uncharted game on this as well. It's like a a reason for people to buy it. Unless he's dead already, in which case we'll make him somebody else. (laughs) Yeah, or just dead. (laughs) They wrap it up at the end of three. A prequel or something. Oh yeah, (laughs) Cool. Well, I think we're out of time today, so we'll have to wrap things up. Um, If you want to track with us before the next podcast, you can visit the website at www.gamepeople.co.uk. You can friend us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash gamepeople. You can follow us on Twitter at game underscore people. So until next time, I'll say bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye.
podcast was recorded for gamepeople.co.uk. The editor and producer was Andy Robertson.